Hello, this is Sarah Phoenix, and you're listening to The Mood. Hello, this is Sarah Phoenix, and you're listening to The Mood, episode one. So I want to use the beginning of this episode to explain what this is, all I've been working on, all the interviews I've been doing, and why I'm sharing them. First and foremost, this is a podcast on sex education, personal wellness, identity, and much more. On the topic of sex education, I will be conducting a lot of informative interviews. It will be a main theme of this airtime because it's extremely important. I want to be a trusted resource for listeners and as inclusive as possible. I know that there is a huge lack in places that you can go to learn about sex. I know it's a very vulnerable topic for many. I see it's also a field that is being attacked right now and consistently shamed. And finally, with personal wellness, basic trusted health information can be hard to find and not to mention extremely unaffordable. So these are big reasons why I've decided to move forward with this podcast. I would like to state that you have domain over your body and you must take the time to educate yourself on what's going on. I will do my best throughout throughout this whole this whole series to be as accurate as possible and to be as open and connective as possible for any questions that you might have. I want you to feel comfortable to reach out to me in any way. Um, even if you think it's stupid, I'm, I'm here to listen. Any question is extremely important when it has to do with sex education or just, just yourself. Um, to reach out to me, feel free to email, DM, or text me if you have my number. You can DM me at Sarah Phoenix with two X's, S-A-R-A-H-P-H-E-N-I-X-X. That's my Instagram, and it has like a little email thing up there too, so you can email me there as well. But basically, I really just want to start and continue the dialogue on these topics. So I'm starting with sharing the stuff that I'm learning and having some fun with it. So I do think that there are so many interplays of self-evaluation, passion, confidence, even feeling safe in your environment that affect you, and how you learn about your identity and even your personal wellness. So I'll be having interviews on a range of things. I also am personally passionate about different things, and if I do an interview on one of these things, I will definitely be sharing it as well. Because as I learn, I want to share that knowledge with those that are listening. So for example, some of my upcoming interviews will be on dating advice, pesticides in our food. One of them will be with a favorite photographer of mine who has been formative in my growth. Um, a guide to working and shopping at a sex shop. And an interview on getting your own health plan and understanding the Affordable Care Act. That last one is actually what we will be doing today. But I will get a little bit more in depth on that in a, in a moment. I do want to add that um, among the other things that I'm interested, I will be incorporating old film into the series too. I'll be adding in old advertisements, TV shows, movies from the 50s, 60s, 70s, around, around then that pertain to each topic of the episode. It's pretty cool to see how, how things have changed and those that haven't too. I think they offer an interesting educational purpose, especially for the topics I'll be touching on. The introduction was actually from 
1951 series called Social Courtesy. Yeah, that's what that's what it's called. And the advertisement you're going to hear after this introduction is from a health ad from the 1970s. So with all of that said, let's get into the next interview that you'll be hearing. So first, I will introduce who we're interviewing. Her name is Catherine Dodd. She is a health policy specialist and began as a nurse. She noticed the many flaws in our health system and moved forward to study it. She's now been working in policy and politics for over 25 years. She's most recently served as a director of the city and county of San Francisco's health service system. She's kind, very accomplished, and the most helpful person to explain to me what's going on with healthcare. The only one that's really got me to wrap my head around it. Uh, and this episode will cover the basics, like how to get your own health plan or navigate health insurance. Uh, we'll break down the Affordable Care Act, Covered California, Medicare, and Medicaid for the rest of this airtime. Uh, since I did do like a little explanation at the beginning of what the mood is, uh, we will be splitting this episode into two, two parts. Um, the second part will be on Big Farm and Planned Parenthood. And that is honestly like my favorite part of this interview. It was very, really fun um, to talk on this. But here's the first interview, and thanks so much for tuning in. sing about America, you'd better make sure you have the breath to sing with. My first question will be, for a young person who has no clue what the health policies are for them in San Francisco, how can we go about navigating? Well, it's a, it was a very good question. It forced me to try and navigate. We have all these things available, and how do, how do people actually ex access them? And so probably the best thing for a young person is to first check to see if they're covered on their parents' plan, if their parents still have insurance, because young people are covered up to age 26 since we passed the Affordable Care Act. Uh, the second thing, if they're not covered on their parents' insurance, uh, they should probably check with the San Francisco Health Plan, and they sh you should do that before you get sick, because if you're at home with a temperature of 103 and you can barely get out of bed, you're not going to be able to enroll yourself in a health plan um, and find a doctor and get to the doctor in time for you to get care. So do it while you're healthy. Make sure just like you have car insurance, you want to have health insurance in case something goes wrong. And the San Francisco health plan uh, is for people who have Medi-Cal. It's also for people who are um, who don't have Medi-Cal because they make a little bit too much money. We call Medi-Cal <coughs> Medi-Cal, because it's Medi-California. In the federal level, it's called Medicaid. And I always think of that as it's for people who need aid. So Medi-Cal is for people who make a little bit too much money, but they can't afford insurance. And they will, they will enroll you or not in a um, health plan based on your income. And then you can choose a provider. You can choose um, to be part of the San Francisco Health Plan, which is a public plan of all the health centers all over the city. 
and has five different uh, hospitals included in it. Or you can choose to be enrolled in a Kaiser plan or a Blue Shield plan. Um, so it's important to do it now, I think, is the issue. And it's based on a, a sliding scale based on your income. So how would we go about enrolling? So look up San Francisco Health Plan on the internet, and there's a whole section on enrollment. The other thing I found out looking for that was that the section on enrollment is not in English. It's in five different languages, one of which is not English. So hopefully you can speak a second language, but you can pretty much figure out you know name, address, age, income. There's also a phone number to call, and they do speak English when you call a phone number, and they can, they're, you're speaking with an eligibility specialist, and they can tell you what you're eligible for. You touched on <coughs> the Affordable Care Act, mm -hmm. so can we go into a little bit more depth on what that is and how to navigate that? That's a great, great question. The Affordable Care Act was passed in 2008, and it took effect in 2010. It took it went into effect uh, a little bit every year so that it didn't just hit the health system and the insurance system all at once. So one of the first things that was included was increasing the age of coverage for adult children from age 21 to 26. That didn't make much of a difference because, one, there weren't that many of them. It wasn't like we were talking about the whole population. Yeah, and I feel like a lot of like young to 26 don't even know about it too right so. and a lot of parents don't know about it because it happened so long ago yeah and it's not as though your insurance company sends you a letter and says oh your kids can stay on exactly they don't although it's good to have young people in an insurance pool because they're healthy whereas if you were 30 well if you're 45 years old you'd have some kind of chronic illness whether it was knee pain or back pain yeah. or, or something so the young, the younger the insurance pool, the the lower the cost. At any rate, parents should find out, and you should also find out what is covered. So, if you went across the street to um, St. Mary's or, or Dignity, they might not, their physicians might not be covered by your parents' health plan. So, you kind of have to check that out in advance so you know what you're doing, and then keep that handy. Okay. So, with the affordable health care, is it kind of like? Medi-Cal and Medicaid where a based off of your how much money you make does it matter yes the affordable health care plan we call it an um, an exchange so when the Obama administration set it up states could say we want to expand Medi-Cal or Medicaid in those other states and and this is how far we're, our state is willing to how much money our state's willing to put in, up to 100%, 138%, 400%. Um, so California did that. California has the best working plan in the country. We should be really proud of it. And California did that, and we um, cover about 94% of people in this state. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that other 6% are people like students who don't, who don't really yeah. know how to, how to get in. Or it's, there's some fear of um, undocumented people being turned in. So... Um, but our, our exchange is called Covered California, and you, and you can enroll in it through that San Francisco health plan number, that eligibility number, or you can go to Covered California first and see if you're eligible for Covered California. Okay. Then you choose um, Kaiser, uh, Blue Cross, Blue Shield, uh, Aetna, I think is in there, or you could go back and choose the public plan, the San Francisco plan. Um, and Covered California was set up very carefully, as was Obamacare, 
or the Affordable Care Act um, to cover not just illness, but to also cover prevention. Okay. So you can get all your, um, you know, what, what you do have done annually uh, as an adult, breast exam, mammogram, uh, pap smear, blood pressure, you know, they, they would, you, all of that is, is available without any kind of a copayment. Okay. And okay. as people get older, for example, colonoscopies are, are very expensive procedures. As long as they don't take anything to, to diagnose, as long as they're just looking up your colon, um, there's no, no charge. But if they clip off a little biopsy, then they can charge you for, for checking to see if the biopsy is cancerous or not. So as long as they don't find anything, uh, preventive care is free. Okay, great. So is that, with Covered California, is that something you apply for it as well? Call San Francisco Health Plan and say, am I eligible for Covered California? Because okay. they will accept you. Or you could just, if you if you know you have more money than the um, 138% of the federal poverty line, which for one person is only 1200 12, $1, I'm sorry, $12,140 a year. Mm -hmm. So if you have, if you make more than that, um, then you'd, you'd want to go directly to Covered California. Okay. So can you talk further on some available care and support resources in the city? I think most of our care is given through the di our district health centers. So the people who are on Medi-Cal or in San Francisco Health Plan get their physical and mental health care there. Um, we have a, we've had one of the oldest suicide prevention hotlines in the country. Um, and a very active suicide prevention group, which is responsible for the um, barrier that they'll be putting up on the Golden Gate Bridge. But oh. there's that. There's also a lot of substance abuse, and we it's called behavioral health in the industry, but mm -hmm. it's mental health. I yeah. never understood why they call it behavioral health. It's like, I know. It's, we're not dogs who have to behave. You know? <laughs> that's, <long. laughs> that's right. That's right. So um, substance abuse, mental health services, again, you get those usually through your health center. Um, but if something's really, really wrong, um, you know, and you were to call 911, <coughs> excuse me, then you could, uh, they would direct you where to go. There's also the... San Francisco Mental Health Association runs groups, like support groups, um, for depression and for... So you just like search San Francisco Mental, mental health, health Association. And, and if you do enroll in one of the, the plans and you have insurance, you, one of the things that the Affordable Care Act did, or actually it happened just before, is it required mental health services to be treated equally with physical health services. So Great. you couldn't say... Oh no, we don't provide mental health services. All the providers have to have some mental health component. So again, it's good to know what your insurance is and what's mm -hmm. provided, what number to call. Who, you know, the old Ghostbusters, who are you gonna call? Yeah. You need to have that written down somewhere or in your Yeah, that's what's most important because there's so many resources and it's just a matter of what to search, who to call, and then where to go. And sometimes I'll just say that um some of the insurers don't know the community-based resources. So um, the, the community-based resources in Chinatown or in the outer Richmond are, for mental health, are very, the insurers won't necessarily know to refer to those. Mm -hmm. So those are things you kind of find yourself either on the internet or through someone um, who has that experience. Are there any other types of clinics in the city where you can just kind of walk in and 
um, especially with the Affordable Care Act, um, just kind of privately get help? Um, Is that? Yeah, you could probably call, if you wanted to pay cash, mm -hmm. you could call any one of the clinics or a OBGYN office or a if you've heard a great physician and say I'm willing to pay cash but um, cash is pretty it's pretty expensive here yeah, especially yeah. in the city we're, we're the highest cost medical care in the state of California yeah here in the Bay Area yeah for me especially as a young person just one trip to the doctor is something you have to save up for because it's so expensive so I'm just basically asking for what are some more resources that can make it more like cheaper and more like so that we stay healthy. <laughs> well, one of the one of the sad things is is that people often wait till they're really sick and go yeah. to the emergency department. And you set foot in that emergency department and you cost $15,000. Yeah. You know, it's just crazy. And you're not you haven't even gotten care yet, but it's the cost of maintaining all that equipment, it's the mm -hmm. cost of maintaining emergency personnel 24-7 uh, so you're paying kind of for the overhead of being having that resource there that's what makes emergency departments expensive um, other things that are expensive are medications pharmacy you hear a lot particularly in the new presidential candidates are all talking about big pharma um, I kind of went off your topic but let me just talk about yeah, big pharma, no, go pharma for, it. for a sec um, 2004 the Congress passed the the uh, Medicare Part D, which is prescription drugs. Med Medicare, which is for the elderly, think think care. People need care when they're old. So Medicare, people over sixty five, um, and people who are disabled, uh, had medical care, but they had to pay for their own prescriptions. So you know they'd get a diagnosis, oh. and it would be well, I can't afford that. Yeah. So Congress passed Medicare Part D, which was the Prescription Drug Act. And it pays for a certain amount, and then it, and then it stops, and you pay that middle part. It's called the donut hole, <laughs> which is silly. <laughs> and then once you hit a catastrophic level, it'll pay for that again. But by the time you hit the catastrophic level, you're usually close to the end of the year, yeah. and it starts all over again in January. So it gives you about $1,200 in coverage, which is better than nothing. But as the cost of pharmaceuticals go up, you know, that... May it, it goes from covering you for three months to covering you for two months. To, you know, yeah, these things are so expensive. When we, I was working for Speaker Nancy Pelosi. She wasn't a speaker then in 2004, but I was working for her when that bill was passed. And the Democrats in Congress were holding out to uh, add the ability to negotiate for for prices uh, and put that in the bill. Um, but Big Pharma, who is a very large lobbyist yeah. pharma from pharmaceutical in Washington, managed to you know, turn enough arms that, that it didn't get put in the bill. The other thing we wanted to do and still want to do is be able to import medications from Canada. It's the same medication. It's made by the same company. It just is um, cheaper in Canada. And we can, people who live up in New York or up in um, Washington you know, will drive across the border to buy their medications if they mm -hmm. don't have pharmaceutical coverage. So so what's the distributor of the medicines? Is that... The, like every pharmaceutical has different pharmacy distributors. And now okay. there's a program called uh, Pharmacy Benefit Managers, PBMs. Mm -hmm. And they take a cut of the, the cost. It's, it's a... 
It's a group thing. It's a group thing, but at every step, someone's getting paid. Yeah. So yeah. by the time that pill gets to you, you've you've paid four dollars to twelve different organizations because yeah. there's a lot of middlemen. Um, so. Pharma is one of the reasons that the costs have gone up. No one has said you can't charge this much. And maybe you've seen the coverage on television um, or in the paper about the cost of insulin. Insulin's been around. It's needed. Yeah, and it's very <laughs> needed now with two out of three people either having metabolic syndrome or diabetes. Um, the, the owner of the major distributor of insulin, uh, Humulin, uh, bought sold the company and bought, someone else bought it and he doubled the price of insulin so going from $150 a vial to $357 a vial so and they can do that they also did it you might recall with the EpiPens people yes. who have allergies to peanuts and they always carry an EpiPen which well, is also needed exactly um, so we have to somehow rein in the pharmaceutical industry. So that's one of the reasons that costs have gone up and, and one of the reasons that your costs in, of care, whether yeah. you're in the emergency room or in the hospital or just in a doctor's office will go up. And the other reason is because no one has said, this is all we'll pay you. Mm -hmm. um, the reason people talk about Medicare for all, which you hear about in the presidential, is because Medicare says, we will pay you this much money. You can't, you can't just bill whatever. Now, oftentimes, physicians will say, I accept Medicare, and then they will balance bill the patient what Medicare didn't reimburse. So it's a very important question to ask Interesting. If, if you're elderly and on Medicare, is are, are you going to balance bill me? Because if they are, then um, you just find someplace else because you'll end up paying the lion's share of the, the cost. Yeah. Um, the other thing that people get caught up on in terms of, of health care is the idea of a out-of-network provider. So if if you went, you're covered under your, your parents' insurance because you're not 26 yet, and you went across the street and made an appointment with the doctor, saw the doctor, and um, but the doctor wasn't in the network that's covered by your parents' insurance group. It's totally separate from a copay. Right, it's okay. co totally separate from a copay. Um, they, they would charge you the whole thing. Uh, so you have to say, are you, you know, are you in the network of whatever group insurance plan it is? Yeah. Um, but then if you don't have insurance, then everything is not in network. Which is why it's important to sign up with, you know, uh, health the plan. health plan or with Covered California. Okay. So that you have some kind of coverage. And people say, well, I'm not sick now. I'll wait till I'm sick or I'll wait till I'm older. It's like... Well, you don't wait to get your car insurance till after you have an accident. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So does a so again with covered California and just a health plan, do you have to pay for that? D it's sliding scale depending on your income. Yes. So, um, San Francisco health plan, you usually don't have to pay because you're those are all medical eligible. Okay. Um, but if you're someone who makes more than the medical amount. Um, you can still be in San Francisco Health Plan. They'll usually charge you a, um, a premium, but it's, a, again, a sliding scale premium. Now, the Covered California premiums change every year. Most premiums do. And yep. the reason they change is because that risk pool that I talked about changes every year. So um, last year, there was all this uncertainty about whether or not the Republicans were going to repeal the Affordable Care Act. <laughs> and if they repealed it, then the key issue is the um, 
seeing people who have pre-existing conditions. So if you had knee surgery as a, you know, when you were 19 because you played polo and you, that's considered a pre-existing condition. Yeah. If, you, um, if you had chlamydia, that's a pre-existing com- condition that often leads to cancer. Any pre-existing condition, the insurance companies used to be able to charge you higher premiums for because you were likely to cause them what more, cost them more money. So the Affordable Care Act eliminated that and said you cannot discriminate against people who have pre-existing conditions. Yeah. Many, many people, um, myself included, uh, were working in a job and had health insurance, and we didn't change jobs because if we left our job, we'd lose our health insurance. Yeah. So um, as opposed to leaving our job and moving to a different health insurance, the new health insurer wouldn't cover you. So that was a really important part of that law. Well, in order to pay for that, you need a large pool of healthy people. Um, so the whole idea of keeping, um, of continuing the Affordable Care Act and allowing people to enroll and having states put up some of the money for it helped pay for the, the problem that was created by, by sick people in your pool. Yeah. So um, that was a key thing for the the. Affordable Care Act or Obamacare. Another thing was um, they eliminated what are called lifetime limits. So if you were a hemophiliac and you, it used to be that your insurance company could say, well, we only pay up to a million dollars. You would use that a million dollars up really quickly yeah. on, on your uh, blood factor that you needed to, to stay alive. Or like you'll see a lot of um, advertisements on television for um, all these drugs for psoriasis and, yes. and and a lot of drugs for depression and um, they're very expensive drugs and if there was a cap on your premium, you know, a cap on your insurance, once you reach that cap, you're paying out of pocket. So you can imagine that that may that caused lots of medical bankruptcies. Is that a connection with big pharma? Because I've been to the doctor. I say like a little thing, and they're like drugs. Well, in California, we're pretty lucky that we have conflict of interest laws, so yeah. physicians can't refer you to something that they have part ownership in. Um, it wasn't always like that, so they couldn't send you to a CAT scan that they owned part of that CAT scan business. Um, so. The reason that, that physicians in particular want to just keep giving you a pill is that you're coming to them for help, yeah. and this is all they can figure out to make you healthy. So they're not going to go look up what are the different holistic things you can do to treat a cough. Or, and and the part of that is is that if they give you the antibiotic and you don't get healthy, they know that there's something else they need to follow up on. Mm-hmm. But if they give you the antibiotic and you do recover, then that was what, what you needed. The The issue of over-prescribing antibiotics is very, very important. And it's when you think of kids, kids get earaches and sore throats, and they go to a day school and they come back with something, and then the whole family has it. But we've been treating children with um, antibiotics from very young ages. And at some point, the little viruses or the, or the organisms change, and they become antibiotic resistant. Yeah. And Growing up, that was my mom is very into like holistic... Um, care so we were always like antibiotics <laughs> no antibiotics it's like a big lightning bolt <coughs> <coughs> well uh, the Scary. the term antibiotic is to treat a bio to treat an um, an organism that your mm-hmm. body's producing antibodies for and viruses don't work that way so that they're less likely to give you um, they're 
you're not going to take an antiviral, which are prescribed for um, hepatitis and for HIV/AIDS. Uh, the, they don't give you an antiviral for the for the common cold because every year the common cold virus changes. And you heard yeah. this year the flu virus has already changed. We all got our flu shots, and now there's a new flu virus. Yeah, it was going around too. Yeah. So um, again, those. Th- Big Pharma is part of that. Big Pharma is definitely part of the antiretrovirals. And and I'm grateful that we have them and that people with hepatitis are living longer and people yeah. with HIV AIDS are, you know, dying of some, something else mm-hmm. um, when they're old age. Um, but the, the cost of them is just phenomenal. So that when you look at a health plan, and I ran the health plan for the city and county, 1% of our population spent 90% of our pharmacy budget. So wow. there was 1% of people who had chronic illnesses that were expensive. You know, they could have hemophilia, they could have HIV, they could have um, multiple sclerosis. All of those drugs have, all of those diseases have very high pharma costs. And then luckily, the rest of the people didn't have a lot of pharma costs, and they helped pay for that 1%. That's the principle of insurance, is that the healthy people are paying for the people who are sick. Yeah. So so the Affordable Care Act covers pharmaceuticals. The Affordable Care Act, as it was originally written, covered um, all reproductive services, and then there was a lot of argument about that. So they allowed um, religious-based uh, providers to opt out of that. If a woman is pregnant and she delivers at uh, one of the Catholic hospitals, yes, she can't get a... Um, her, a tubal ligation, and sh- and they will not discharge her with contraceptive information. Under the Affair- Affordable Care Act? They can do that under the Affordable Care Act because they're a religious-based organization. Um, yeah. They won't do therapeutic abortions um, if they're a religious-based organization, and they don't believe in that uh, service. So Yeah, but that's so the organization's... Um, idea right right yeah. well it's and it's the organization's values yeah 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 and so what the affordable care act ended up saying was we'll honor your values but okay. in many states that's the only option people have i mean there's so the rural states places are so few and far apart that you have to travel for six hours to get to a place that's not a um a religious-based organization yeah so and they just took away title x title cr- title 10 title yeah. 10 Title X has been around, oh, for a long time, and it was used largely to pay for contraception. Yes. Um, And here in San Francisco, we used it largely to work on uh, teen contraception. Yes. Uh, And they didn't take it away. They just um, funded uh, organizations with it that don't provide contraception. (laughs) I know. Well, so I was reading an article about um, they took it, a reason that they took it away is because of abortion mm-hmm. and then title x the money doesn't go to abortion it would only go to like health care and contraception right so i was i was very confused about it and excited to ask you because what like could you go into more it's depth a great about question it? <laughs> and the and the difference is um what the government what the president is saying and the republican party is saying is that if you're a clinic and you provide contraception and you know well woman care um, but you also provide abortion even though none of the money from title 10 goes to abortion you don't get any money just none none 
Um, so wow. Planned Parenthood is a great example. Women get mammograms. They they get well woman care. That you know some for some women it's their primary care provider. Um, and taking away all that fa- that all that family planning, all that contraceptive money, um, really leaves Planned Parenthood in a lurch. I mean, they don't. Yeah, that's uh, a big part of their funds, correct? It's a big part of their funds because that's the majority of what they do. Yeah, um, is contraception. That was, you know, if you look back in history, Planned Parenthood was um, was started in New York City um, by Margaret. Oh, her name's going to come. It's Margaret Sanger. Yeah, and she and her sister actually went out on a hunger strike. Um, they were put in prison for distributing information on contraception, on how not to get pregnant, um, and they got arrested uh, under what's called the Comstock laws of the time. And they went on a hunger strike to, f- essentially, so that women could get contraception. Um, it's a, it's a great. great. <coughs> in terms of Women's History Month. Um, there's a lot on them, and they also there's a great PBS special, the history of Margaret Sanger and how she smuggled diaphragms in on <laughs> tugboats, and then the tugboat dumped them all in the harbor, and people went out and got them, and that's how women in New York got diaphragms. I mean, it's Margaret Sanger was quite great. a remarkable woman. She was a woman of her time, though. She also had um, was part of the eugenics movement. So everybody has some good and some bad, but yeah. worth during Women's History Month. You know, searching Margaret Sanger. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's been around a long time, and now Title Ten, um, you know, pretty much by executive order, just by changing the the yeah. budget, um, ha- is affecting lots and lots and lots of women's clinics. So are they transferring the money into religious? They're allowing healthcare providers. They're allowing. More so? They're allowing healthcare providers that don't like offer the, contraception yes. to apply for that money. Okay, so the m- so the money isn't it like we're still paying, but the money is just being funneled to another provider, kind of thing. <coughs> we're still paying taxes. Yes, and out of yeah, our taxes, yeah. like the, the same d- amount of tax money yes, is what exactly. I'm asking. Exactly. Because okay. I remember it was a big deal about like we could pay less tax money um, to not give it to people that to providers that provide abor- abortion, and I was thinking like. We're still paying the same amount of tax money. Right, so. right. Fascinating. And it's such a tiny percentage of th- our taxes that it's kind of a moot point, but they'll they'll use any excuse. No, definitely. So it's kind of like more of a, like, horse blinders. Like, that's what it's actually about. Exactly. Which is really interesting. Exactly. Mm-hmm.